Are you ready to tap into your subconscious? What? When you hear the term subconscious, what do you think about? Does it sound scary? Does it sound intimidating? Does it sound unimportant? Does it sound a little Freudian? Hiding your wife, hiding your kids? Come on, y'all. But did you know that tapping into your subconscious can perhaps, just maybe, make your brain happy? Welcome to another episode of Happy Brain. My name is Heather Parody, and thank you for joining us as we explore the fun side to mental health by digging into the simple hacks and fun tips to make your mental health journey more enjoyable and your brain a little happier. What's up, y'all? Welcome to today's episode of Happy Brain. If this is your first time listening, what is up? My name is Heather Parody. I am your host. Ooh, ooh, y'all aren't ready for this one. This is a stinking amazing conversation that we had with Dr. Ash Moreland, who's a PhD in neurophysiology. And after working with athletes, discovered that there was some interesting work being done in neuropsychology, tapping into your subconscious, letting go of limiting beliefs and trauma. It makes you a better performer and yes, makes your brain happier. She's going to lay it out for us today. But before we get started, if you are new here, this is a great episode to be your first one. Welcome. We look at outside of the box ways to keep that brain of yours happy, stay mentally healthy. So I invite you to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. And if you haven't done so yet, drop us a review. Would you, would you? Just like Krista Bug did, which says Heather Parody is absolutely amazing. Thank you, Crystal Bug. I really appreciate that. She has a contagious energy and a personality you can't help but love. Okay, let's just, let me just stop right there. Krista, you're super nice. But I'll tell you, there are some people who hate it, some people who love it. And I think it goes with any personality, but I'm really grateful that you're cool with it. She continues to say, I can't stop listening. Great podcast. You're the best, Krista Bug. And I love your name. Krista Bug is literally the coolest name ever. Thanks for dropping us that review. And listen, friends, friends, takes just a few seconds Leave us a rating and a review. I'll give you a shout out on the show. But let's get into this subconscious thing. I was just on another interview and somebody was talking about, you know, that famous quote by somebody famous. I don't even remember about how until the subconscious become conscious, we, we don't we don't do well. You know, I jacked that quote up. But sometimes thinking about subconscious work, it seems super heavy and deep and not something that's going to take years and years and years. And Dr. Ash Moreland who we will have back on again, kind of breaks down some misconceptions about what it really means to heal and to stay mentally healthy. I have a PhD in neurophysiology. And the really interesting thing about that is I started out in an exercise science background and I really wanted everything to be about the brain and the brain driving everything. And what I kind of recognized is that a lot of how our brain operates and even controls our body from a movement perspective is dependent on how we perceive our environment. And when I recognize that, even seeing how trauma impacts our movement, I began to get really interested in trauma specifically. So my interest now, even though I came from an exercise science background, my interest now is more in psychology and understanding trauma from a neuroscience perspective. Yeah, using my knowledge of the brain and knowledge of the structures of the brain and how they integrate with our environment and integrate with our thoughts, actions and behaviors to really completely transform people's lives. You were working with athletes and people working on their fitness and you noticed, correct me if I'm wrong, that they were inhibited in some way from a performance fitness perspective because of unconscious trauma. 
Yeah. So um, a lot of my clients are athletes because what we recognize is that, you know, there's been a whole field come through exercise science of athlete wellness monitoring. And what we recognize is that athletes are humans. They still have pets. They still have relationships. They still have children. They have a bad night's sleep. They're not immune to the same kinds of traumas or same hurt feelings or same kind of emotional responses as any other human. And so my interest kind of started in the athlete wellness monitoring when I was working for an AFL club. And it spiraled from there, even through my own personal experiences. And what I recognize is that it doesn't matter whether you're an athlete, whether you're a business person, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're, no matter who you are, if you are a human with a beating heart and a brain, you can be impacted by this, which means that we can influence how you show up in your world, how you succeed in whatever it is that you're doing by utilizing these neuroscience-informed practices. And I love the diversity of people that I get to work with because they're just humans. And so I can help them succeed and overcome all kinds of barriers, whether it's sporting performance barriers or suicidal ideation or almost anything. Explain to me the difference between like a neuroscience approach to handling trauma and dealing with mental health issues versus a stereotypical talk therapy approach. Yeah, totally. So it's kind of recognizing this pattern where we are constantly perceiving things in our environment. Depending on what research paper you pick up, um, it's in the millions. Let's say there are millions of bits of information per second that our body can interpret. And so we have these belief systems stored in our unconscious brain, kind of like a filing cabinet. And the caudate nucleus is one brain structure that's really important in this. And what that does is we will experience an emotion and because of the emotion that we experience, we form a belief system. So if we had never, ever met before and I was an absolutely amazing human being every day of my life, except the one day that we met and I woke up that day and I was a beast of a human and I made you feel angry and sad and hurt and shame, what would your belief be about me? I would think that you were horrible and it would be hard for me to break that narrative about you yes. because I would see you as a mean person because that exactly. was the first. And, exactly. Yep. And so your belief system in your brain is that I'm a horrible person. So what that does is it kind of prefaces your brain to constantly be scanning the environment of any interaction with me so that you can specifically see when I've been a beast, when I've been horrible. And so a traditional talk therapy modality is actually working with more the conscious parts of the brain where we have awareness of things. So it's actually those unconscious belief systems and things stored in our caudate nucleus that help us scan our environment to perceive things as a threat. When we, it's kind of like the difference between someone who knows and has conscious awareness that smoking stinks, it's super expensive and is literally killing them, but yet they still have that unconscious drive to grab a cigarette. And that's because it's the deep brain structures where those belief systems are stored that drives our thoughts, actions, and behaviors up to like 95. And in some studies, it even says like 99% of the time, kind of dependent on how much trauma you've experienced. So the more trauma that you've experienced, generally what happens is that you try to run your life on autopilot and suppress as much as you can because when you're conscious and you're experiencing awareness, that's when you have awareness of these invasive thoughts and these um, struggles. 
So, so with, with this information, how do we keep our brains like happy? How do we stay mentally healthy when so much of it is subconscious? Because can we control that? Or are we just screwed? Absolutely. So in a counseling model, it's really hard because we have to actually have awareness of what these problems are. And we have to be able to kind of wait for it to happen and then pounce on it. And so it's that repetition of changing our thoughts or catching our thoughts and reframing our thoughts that is what leads to the change in behavior. The difficulty with that is it's really time consuming and it requires you to be consciously aware of when it's happening. So the modality that I use, I was trained by the creator of it, uh, Emma Romano, and I'm using a modality called Timeline Reset. And it's kind of a combination of neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, a bunch of modalities that specifically work with the unconscious brain. So what we do is we don't have to talk about events. We don't have to talk about the issue or anything. We access the unconscious brain just by shutting down the stress response. So we just relax. If you've ever been coloring in and being really zen out or, you know, been watching TV and being really engrossed in a movie, your brain is relaxed. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm totally safe right now. And when your stress center is switched off, we can actually go in and remove those negative emotions because remembering it's the negative emotion that leads to the belief system. And then we can go in and remove those belief systems that are holding you back. And as a product of that, without even consciously trying, our thoughts, actions, and behaviors automatically change. So I've been, um, I've been really fascinated with Todd Herman's book, Alter Ego. I was listening to it on my run this morning. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with that work, but the, you know, the premise of it is, you know, creating this alter ego to kind of change your state. But he talks so much about emotion that like, if you don't have emotion, none of it changes. And I'm, I feel like I hear that theme all the time with self-help or psychology or whatever, that emotions are really the thing that changes it. And that if, if we try to fight stuff logically, it doesn't work, but we have to somehow bring our emotion, like visualization, all that stuff. Is that true? Is emotion the key to untapping and rewiring our brain? Yeah, it's massive because the, we have this perception that emotion happens in the brain, but the emotion is actually at a cellular level in our body. So it only takes about 90 seconds for an emotion to pass through our body um, or for an emotion to be processed. So anything 90 seconds? Yeah. So okay. anything that's held onto after that is actually you're experiencing a real sensory experience in your body. And so that's stored emotion at a cellular level. And like Candace Pert's done a lot of work on this. Um, she had a book called Molecules of Emotion, which was amazing. Yeah, it's gone into this, I guess, like a principle of hypnotherapy, or and I utilize a similar principle in Timeline Reset, is we do the unconscious work immediately, but then you listen to your own learnings again every day for 30 days and what that does is it reinforces as you go through your cell replenishment cycle it reinforces those new learnings and actually kind of raises the vibrational frequency at a cellular level it's positive affirmations beyond the words and to a true core belief that these words like you feel the words and know that they're true but how do you get yourself to feel that because if i feel like I'm stupid and dumb and ugly and horrible and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I am great. I am beautiful. I am in shape. I am all this stuff. Like, how do I actually make myself feel like those are the things so that I can rewire my brain to actually believe that? Yeah. So switching off the stress response, because those programs, we call them programs. 
those programs are your belief systems running through. And so most of those are actually programmed in us before the age of seven. Up until the age of seven, we're in a permanent state of hypnosis just through brain development, the frequency of our brain. And so like it could be something as simple as Mummy, mummy, look at the painting that I did today at, at childcare. Hold on, sweetheart, I've just got to do dinner and all that kind of stuff. And so that child, form because of the emotion that they feel, they might form a belief system that I'm not important and mummy, like dinner's more important than me. And so they will then, as an adult, be scanning their environment or maybe it's an anchor to the word busy. And so... Anytime, you know, your partner comes home and you're like, babe, I just want to tell you about this exciting thing. And they're like, I'm just busy at the moment. Can you tell me later? And that word busy is what triggers the emotion in you. And so that spirals and it spirals the thought because in that moment, you're the four-year-old again with your mum saying, I'm too busy to look at your picture. And so being able to, so meditation is awesome. And I think I remember listening to an episode where they're talking about the um, manifestation, the money manifestation Mm -hmm. one, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and about the coloring and the affirmation at the same time. What's coloring doing? It's reducing the frequency of your brain, which is switching off the stress response, which makes the affirmation able to be accessed and to be processed at a subconscious level. Isn't she the coolest? Make sure that you connect with her again over on Facebook. It's linked in the show notes along with drashleymoreland.com. And the coloring book episode that she referred to is linked in the show notes as well. I haven't been coloring as much as I need to. I need to get back into that. So thank you, Dr. Ash, for reminding me of that. But before we roll out, I had to ask anything else. We have this misconception. We have this belief system that mental health is a long journey. It's something that you have to consciously work at and that it's hard work. And I think if I could reassure anyone about this stuff is that it doesn't have to be a long drawn out process. It doesn't have to be, you know, 10 years of therapy, 30 years of therapy. I work with clients and their whole life is transformed in four sessions of an hour. So that would be really my thing would be to encourage people to look for something that really does use a neuroscience informed approach. You know, Joe Dispenza does a lot of this work. He's a neuroscientist. And that's a similar approach to what I use. Change does not have to be hard. It doesn't have to be long and it doesn't have to be this big process. If you use the right tools, it's kind of like taking a car with a flat tire to a mechanic and every single week because you want your flat tire fixed and they change the windscreen. If you just take it to a mechanic and they change the tire, you're good to go. You want to be using the right tools for the, the right kind of issues. Change does not have to be hard. Woo. Isn't that a relief? Big thank you to Dr. Ash for coming on today's episode. And listen, my friends, whether you are only eating fruit until noon, walking around the yard barefoot, or tapping into your subconscious. Make sure you take some time for yourself today, my friends, and make that brain of yours happy. Thank you for listening to another episode of Happy Brain. If you enjoyed this, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have an extra second, leave us an honest review over on iTunes or your Apple podcasting app. And until next time, my friends, keep that brain of yours happy. Happy.